Today I want to talk about endings. Endings can be tough no matter what kind of story you're telling. It's never easy to wrap things up and when it comes to a game the difficulty goes up a lot. You're not only wrapping up a narrative, but you're doing it for a story that you let someone else control. The player is in charge of how they play your story. It's no wonder so many games get their ending wrong. The player ends up sinking 20 hours into a game thinking they're building to a satisfying conclusion then it just kind of stops. It doesn't end, it's just over, done. Like the developer didn't know how to wrap things up and they ran out of time, leaving their players with an unsatisfying mess. Metal Gear Solid 2's infamous It was all a simulation, none of this even happened or mattered comes to mind as a particularly brutal example, but there are plenty that are even worse. Now on the other hand, there's nothing like playing through a game and discovering that they nailed the ending. They simply put just killed it and found the one way to finish it off perfectly. Now we all have our favorite game endings. Whether it's Naughty Dog's work in The Last of Us, Bungie's Halo, or who could forget sharing a burger with President Ronnie at the end of Data East Bad Dudes. The feeling of beating a game and getting the ending that perfectly wraps up the experience of playing it is a special one, and when a developer does it particularly well, it's worth talking about. Which brings us to an ending that I find special. The subject of today's episode, Red Dead Redemption. Mission 57, The Last Enemy That Shall Be Destroyed. Now before we get started, I just want to warn you that from this point on, I will be discussing the ending of Red Dead Redemption in very detailed terms. If you haven't played the game and want to save the surprise of how it ends, please stop listening right now. Trust me when I say that the ending of this game is worth it. You'll want to check this out and experience it on your own. This episode will still be here when you're done. Now if you're still here and haven't played the game, consider this your final spoiler warning. I'm also aware of those of you that will have the need to remind me that this is not the true ending of the game. That's true, but I consider the mission after this to be more of a stinger scene, like a post-credit sequence, and not the ending to the narrative of the game itself. Rockstar Games' 2010 sequel to Red Dead Revolver put players into the shoes of John Marston, a reformed outlaw looking to atone for his past and live out the second half of his life in peace, with his former actions and misdeeds firmly behind him, unmentioned and unregarded. The year is 1911, and the government is in the midst of a movement to finally tame the West. You begin the game on a quest to take down the members of a gang Marston used to run with, led by Dutch Vanderland. The newly formed Federal Bureau of Investigation has taken Marston's wife Abigail and his son Jack prisoner and is using them to coerce Marston to killing not only Dutch but each and every surviving member of Dutch's gang. As you play through the game's 57 missions, you join John Marston on his journey to get back the life he's fought so hard for and at the same time help John try to atone for his past. For he was a thief, a murderer, and a seriously bad guy who escaped punishment for all he had done. Now along the way, you're given the choice to play as a hero or a villain, but the true narrative of the game is to play as a hero. The dialogue options all point to John hoping that he's turned a corner and become a better person. You finally are successful in putting Dutch and his gang down, and Marston is reunited with his wife Abigail and his son Jack on their family homestead. It appears you've actually earned your new life and washed the slate clean, and are now free to live out your life in peace. At this point, your missions take on a different tone and scope. Instead of fighting outlaws and bandits, you go about the travails of everyday life. You help your son Jack take down a local bear, you scare crows out of your grain silo, go on shopping trips to nearby homesteads, and go about the daily, wonderfully boring life you've earned for yourself. 
It's almost comical the way you continue to use the skills you've honed murdering outlaws to shoot crows and wolves, but as a player you have a real sense of accomplishment. You feel like you've earned this life for John Marston. After everything he's done throughout all of his life, and all the blood he's spilled, he's finally got the peaceful life he believes he was promised. It's his. Until you begin Mission 57. You start the mission entering the barn with your son Jack, who is sanding down a wooden surface. In this cutscene, you bond with your son over future plans and the wonders of the new world, like the incredible flying machines that turn men into angels. Your time with Jack is broken by Uncle, an old friend of yours, who calls you over and shows you the huge group of men riding up to your farm. Your serenity is shattered as you confirm that you've been living on borrowed time ever since returning from killing Dutch and the gang. John immediately knows what's happening that the future civilized America cannot let someone like John Marston continue to exist to walk around among decent folk who've never murdered or stolen or lived outside the law. John orders Jack back into the house and makes Jack promise to keep the doors locked and to protect Abigail. At this point, the cutscene ends and you gain control of John and are set upon by a dozen soldiers besieging your farm. You take cover and fire your weapon at them, and at first glance, this is barely different than most missions you've done in Red Dead Redemption. The enemies are fairly easy to kill and really don't do much more than run straight at you, so it's not a big deal. You wipe them out easily and once again are not under threat in your homestead. You're prompted to head to your house, where you briefly interact with Abigail and Jack before once again being set upon by soldiers attacking your home. The enemies here are a bit tougher, but not by much. They still come straight at you and die as easily as most of the enemies you've killed during the course of the game. Now during the fight, no matter what you do, Uncle is shot in the chest and is clearly doomed to die. While you continue to fight off the second wave, yet another wave approaches from behind you. This is when you begin to realize that this is not a normal mission and you start to feel that sense of dread. The enemies just keep coming, and there doesn't seem to be a goal here other than to survive, and that's looking less and less likely. After beating the third wave of soldiers, you go to Uncle, who demands you get your wife and son out of there into safety, and then succumbs to his wounds. While he is a fairly minor character, his death is a bellwether of things to come. You gather Abigail and Jack and send them to the barn, where they're to get the horses ready to leave your homestead and try to escape these government men who are hell-bent on killing you. After Abigail says goodbye to the already dead uncle, yet another wave of FBI agents attacks on horseback. Once again, your goal is to kill them, but this time you've actually got to cover Abigail and Jack as they make their way to safety. The soldiers simply won't stop coming as you slowly lead Jack and Abigail to the barn. You finally lead your family to the barn, where you put them on a horse and tell them to ride on, to not look back, and that you'll join up with them. You watch as they bolt out on a single horse towards the safety of the open plains, and you're left alone. Once again, it's quiet. You're in the barn by yourself with a horse that's just begging to be ridden. You've got every opportunity to escape, to catch up with your family and go on the run, to try to make a life for yourself, to live in peace. But John knows that's not how his story ends. One way or another, he's a creature of violence. It's all he's ever known. So you walk to the opposite barn door, you peer out, and then throw the doors open revealing no less than another dozen soldiers and FBI agents, all waiting for you, silently, guns at the ready. No words are spoken, no speeches, no pleading, no accusations, no argument, just resignment. Here you gain control of John and you go into what's called dead-eye mode, which is sort of a slow-motion mechanic you've used in the game to kill groups of enemies very quickly before they can shoot back. You use it here to attempt to kill as many of the lawmen as possible, but it's futile. 
after you fire off one or two shots, the rest of the firing squad opens up on you, and the game takes you to a final cutscene of John Marston, the man you've spent dozens of hours playing as, dying a gruesome, cruel death, as he's finished off by the same FBI agent he was helping not ten missions ago. The posse wordlessly walks off and leaves your body in the dirt on your own farm, and before long, Jake and Abigail return to discover that John is dead. Their family has been shattered, and their lives turned upside down, all in the name of civilization. Now, I'll be honest, the first time I played through this mission, I thought it did something wrong. It was simply shocking that John, the main character of this game, died in a gunfight against less enemies than I'd taken on before. Only as the cutscene played did I realize that this was the correct outcome. But, and this is something that every single person I know has done, I went back and tried the mission again to see if maybe, just maybe, I could somehow make it out alive and kill all the bad guys. I probably reloaded this mission 15 times and tried and tried and tried, but to no avail. I think I got up to like killing four, maybe five, but it's, it's impossible. I think. Now the reason I wanted to talk in length about this level is because, well, it's perfect. This final mission is the culmination of everything that Red Dead Redemption is about. It pays off the entire story and themes and completes John Marston's arc perfectly. The entire game has focused on John Marston running from his past, from the evil he's done to his fellow man. John hopes that he can leave his old life and his old way of life behind. But throughout the game, it simply will not go away. Through every mission, we're reminded of the horrific things John has done, mostly through the words of other characters, who know John by his well-earned, horrible reputation as a murdering outlaw. John believes himself a changed man, but even as a noble hero, he's still a violent killer, still a relic of a lawless and bloody age that has to go away. Despite what John has told himself, he cannot escape his past, and he cannot join the new world. John Marston, of course, represents the changing of America and its shift from the era of lawless West to a more civilized age. But this change does not come without blood and without sacrifice. The government using John to rid the West of the other members of his gang only to betray him is really the only way this story could play out. The thing is, Marston dying is the only way he can actually atone for his past. His death is the final payment that clears his ledger. The team at Rockstar Games did a masterful job in almost every aspect of Red Dead Redemption, and for my money, the ending tops everything else they did in it. They took us on a journey of, well, redemption, and although we thought we were earning it along every step of the way, they had other plans. And until the last enemy that shall be destroyed, they let us, and John Marston, believe we had a chance to change our past. <laughs>